So are we ready to go? All right. Um, I know that a lot of uh, churches this week are getting sermons on politics and the election. I'm not going to do that. I have more important things to talk about, things of the kingdom. Um, in recent weeks, we have considered the Judeo-Christian battle with secularism. The secular battle is that false dichotomy which posits a no-God zone, which is the domain of uh, the secular world, and a God zone, which is the domain of the religious. And that secularism is part of the modern world, and it grew out of, of the development of arts and media and schools and parenting and marriage in a number of Areas that separated from the religious into the secular. And it's created for many believers an idea of thinking in terms of being saved and then dealing with the, the world. And the world is secular. Uh, and there is therefore a general assimilation into this secularism by many in the, in the church. I've been talking about the struggle with that, that we need to see that there is no secular, there is no, no God zone. Uh, and I want to talk about that in the context of the creation service that we've just gone through our liturgy, and the spiritual discipline of practicing the presence of God in all His creation. I think this is important for us and for our children, and I think it's more important at this time, because over the last several decades, this is not new to those decades, but I'm just talking about that because that spans the life of most of the people in here. The darkness of the world has uh, become more apparent. And the light of the faith should be shining brighter, but it's not. And part of that is, I think, because we've isolated the spiritual into this kind of God zone that's in ever-decreasing, and we live in the ever-increasing secular notion, that this is no longer just something we need to make sure we teach for our children. It's starting to affect us. And so I want to talk about it at an adult level, but I want you to be thinking about the impact of this on your children. I'm going to suggest some things in that context. I believe there are two spiritual disciplines that we need to uh, add to ours. You know, we talk about the spiritual discipline of the Word, spiritual discipline of prayer, spiritual discipline of fasting as those foundational ones, and then the stewardships of time, relationships, resources, and gifting. I, I think as I'm updating the catechism and a number of things, I'm going to add the practice of the presence of God and the practice of the body of Christ. In other words, practicing the presence of God and practicing the communion of saints as something that's a spiritual discipline that we need to do. I think those two, practicing the presence of God and practicing the communion of saints, will help us to combat this uh, ubiquitous secularism that, 
that is in our that is in our culture. So, having said that, I want to uh, remind us that today begins our liturgical year for the Disciple Center. Now, Judaism began the year fifty seven seventy seven at Rosh Hashanah, followed by the Torah reading cycle that began about three weeks ago. So there, there's the new year and then the, the, the liturgical cycle that begins. They're not exactly the same date, but they are the same period. In the same way, uh, Christianity begins its new liturgical month, the first year of Advent, and it will also include its uh, lectionary year. For us, though, the liturgical year begins today as we begin with the creation service, and then moves through Thanksgiving into Advent. And at Advent, we pick up the the liturgical cycle of readings uh, in the new year um, uh, with the the church. Uh, So, in that context, practicing the presence of God in Judaism involves the statement of a blessing or a bracha. Uh, Whenever an event or a remembrance, or a commandment is engaged in the experience of the Jew. So if a Jew is is lighting candles for Shabbat, they will say, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has uh, sanctified us by your word and your commandments and commanded us to light the, the candles. If they give zedakah, if they give a charity, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by your commandments and has commanded us to give uh, tzedakah. So there is a practicing of the presence of God by acknowledging God in all our ways that comes out of the tradition in Judaism. Christianity follows a similar pattern in thanking God when an event or a remembrance or a commandment is engaged in the experience of the Christian. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful sunset. Thank you, Lord, for the rainbow that reminds us of the command. Thank you, Lord, for that. These traditions of blessing God for what He has done and thanking God for what He has provided is the essence of practicing the presence of God. To the extent that those words come out of your mouth, that you deliberately, intentionally do that in the thanking God for food, blessing God for the rain, whatever it is, that begins to practice the presence of God. And I believe that that is commanded to us in many places. But the place I want to look at specifically today is Proverbs chapter 3. So if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at the 19 verses. I'm not going to go through them in detail, but I want to uh, mention them and I want to read them for you before we look at uh, the creation uh, passages in Genesis. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 uh, says, My son, do not forget my teaching. Part of the purpose for practicing the presence of God and the presence of the community of faith is because we easily forget. We just get mindsetted into the secular mindset. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. 
Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Which is what the commandments are all about. Our relationship to God and our relationship to man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge Him. That's the blessing. That's the giving thanks. Acknowledge God in all those ways. And He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. For the Lord turns away. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body. Refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth. From the first of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. You're acknowledging God in all your ways. In your relationships. In your resources. In all these things that we've talked about. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord. Or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. It is the son that we love most that we sometimes are hardest on because we, we have so much desire for them uh, to, to grow up and understand. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver. Her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares to her. Long life is in her hand and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold and happy are those who hold her fast. Wisdom is personified uh, as this woman in, in, the, in the Psalms. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. In other words, wisdom does not come from below. Wisdom's not in the world. Wisdom, wisdom comes from God. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Uh, so the idea is that wisdom is based on the creation. The creation's not based on the creation. It's based on God. Wisdom is based on God in that sense. So with that in mind, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to go through... Uh, the Genesis account of creation. And I'm going to mention this uh, briefly in how to practice uh, the presence of God in creation. I'm going to suggest some things. I hope that you will think about some things. If during the Q&A you want to bring some of those up, that would be great. Uh, we're going to begin with verse 1. Uh, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All that we're talking about is a creation of God. It is God who creates. It is God who sustains. There is no God-free zone in the creation. Even California. We must practice His presence and we must acknowledge Him in all our ways. I have been so convicted of this of recent, uh, I had an experience similar to what uh, Jeff shared with us uh, earlier. Uh, I, I was trying to get into the parking lot at CBU, 
And I usually do my prayers as soon as I get there because it's about nine in the morning. That's my morning prayer time. And I was, and there was a person in front of me who didn't know where they were going. And so they wandered this way and then they wandered this way and then they slowed up. And I was getting livid with this person. You know, get out of the way, you jerk. Find out where you're going, all that stuff, right? I get out and immediately I start my prayers. All right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your mind, with all your life, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. New commandment I give you, love one another. Oh, man. So, my instructions, I've already blown, right? And it reminded me that I needed to hear them more than... Just the times I've been doing it. I need to be reminded more often about these things. I need to practice the presence of God more in my life. And the presence of the body of the Lord, the communion of saints. So, important that we find a way to, in our daily life, acknowledge God. A blessing or a thanksgiving of God. You can use the Jewish tradition, the Christian tradition. I try to use both. Uh, in that process to bring God so that we're acknowledging God in all our ways. And so, our first song that we're going to sing, we're going to sing the first and second verses of hymn 210, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation. As we do that, we're going to pause the, uh, the, the recording because I want us to be able to just uh, sing it. All right? We're back on. All right. Those words are about the presence of God in His creation. We really do need to practice that. We need to practice that in front of our children, in front of our grandchildren, in front of our spouses, in front of ourselves, in front of others. If we believe that God is, and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, that's an important part of what we do. Now, there are elements of the creation that give us opportunities to practice the presence of God. So the first day is found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. The first statement that God makes is, let there be light. Not let there be a sun. Let there be light. God creates light. He separates light from darkness. A major theme in the scriptures. Something that we need to experience and we need to think about and we need to bring that into play with our children. Uh, Yesterday uh, at the birthday party for Brenna, when they got the candles lit, they turned the light out uh, and uh, the uh, place went dark and I was videotaping and the videotape went blurry because it was having trouble seeing in the dark. We stumble in the dark. The dark and the light 
are not just about the physical presence of light and darkness, but they are about the light of illumination and seeing and understanding and and understanding with God. And God separates those who are in darkness from those who are children of the light. So God should be blessed not only for the light that allows us to see, but the light that allows us to understand as well. And that light we find in the Gospel of John, where John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was light, and the light was the life of men. John came to bear witness of the light, but he wasn't the light. The true light is that which comes into the world to enlighten every man. The teachings of Jesus and the person of Jesus is our light. And we need to acknowledge him in all that we do. So that we understand that it's not just... There are people that can see, but they can't see. There are people that can hear, but they can't understand, right? The scripture talks about this in a deeper meaning. And we don't experience that deeper meaning if we don't, in some ways, acknowledge that. I think it's important once in a while to stand in darkness and experience that. We live in a world with artificial light all the time. Artificial light is that secularism. Uh, There is something about uh, light... Uh, that comes from a single candle in a room might be a good experience when we light the Advent candles and when we light Hanukkah candles and when we light other Sabbath candles or other things that we darken the place and light them to get that notion of light and darkness. Uh, you can see that in the sunset when it takes place. Uh, last night was an incredible experience as the light was leaving uh, and yet there was a statement of God uh, that lights it. And then, of course, the moon was coming up almost full uh, in, to shine in darkness. So that's an important part of this. So we're going to sing together uh, hymn number 33, Immortal, Invisible. So some way of reminding ourselves that it is God who separated the light from the darkness. It is God who gives us the days. All of those things are an important part of uh, experiencing and practicing the presence of God. Day two, the sky or the heaven, found in verses six through eight. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let them separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. I love that the day for Judaism and the day for um, uh, the Bible begins at sundown. I try to make it a practice that when the sun goes down, my day is over. I'm starting a new day. I like that. I start a new day coming home, being with my family. I get to sleep. And when I wake up, the day is mostly over and I just have to get through it. Right? It's not the same attitude as you wake up in the morning and you're miserable and i got 24 hours i got to get through. Right? So there is something about that practice that I think is, uh, is valuable. In this second day, God creates the atmosphere, separating the waters that will ultimately be the seas 
from the waters that we would call the clouds above. And this sky will be the area between heaven above and the earth beneath. And it is really the area that we're in. We're on the earth, not in the earth. That atmosphere will be filled with air and all life will breathe that air. Even the plants will breathe from that air. And so everything that has breath will praise the Lord, the Creator. And when we stop to breathe, we should praise the Lord for our ability to speak and to breathe, which requires that. If I couldn't breathe right now, I couldn't talk. Our communication, our life. Sometimes we simply need to breathe and realize that that breath that sustains our life is from God. Uh, I've told you that uh, in recent months as I've taken my meds and I'm trying to get this practice in place, it is God who sustains me. The meds are helping that, but he's created even that. And so I try to acknowledge him in that. I've grown up most of my life a pretty severe asthmatic. Now, in my adult life, it's not been as severe as it was as a child, but I have times when it's tough. And if you're asthmatic, you know that you can breathe in, but you can't breathe out. You have to force that air out. And I used to run to the refrigerator, breathe out, put my head in the refrigerator, because if I could feel the air coming in, I relaxed. I didn't panic. There's a panic that you're suffocating. There is something about being grateful for breath being grateful for life, being grateful for the air that we breathe that God has given us, that He sustains us with, and that's not a small thing. If we do colonize the moon, we've got to bring air with us. If we colonize Mars, we have to bring air with us. The air that sustains our life is created by God. It's here because God gave it to us. We should be able to thank God. For the air. Let everything that hath breath, the scripture says, praise the Lord. So I think that's a part of this that's also important. And so we're going to sing verse 1 of hymn 147, How Great Thou Art. So perhaps from time to time we should gather our children together and all breathe and thank God for the air, for the breath that we have, practicing the presence of God in that context. Day three, God is going to separate the land, the earth, and the sea, and he is going to create the vegetation, verses 9 through 13. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds after their kind, trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning. A third day. God separates the lands and the seed. Now this is a great one for us. 
Because we live on the coast, we can go down and see the ocean. We can take our kids to see the ocean. Don't just have a day at the beach. Acknowledge God as the separator of the land and the beach. The, they, the children need to have God brought into their experience and consciousness. And we do too. Otherwise, you just go to the beach and, well, that was a great day. And it becomes secular and not what a great thing God has given us in the land and the seas uh, to be able to celebrate that. Then God commanded the earth to bring forth vegetation. The plants and the trees and the seed and the fruit, we should acknowledge this. I, w I just stepped out here before the service and looked down at all the different trees and vegetation that's there. Sometimes we don't stop and look at what is here. I love the pictures that NASA has of other planets. Not a lot there. You know? Not a lot there. But this planet is covered with vegetation uh, in that kind of context. And it's an important thing for us to celebrate uh, vegetables and plants and trees and seeds and fruit and acknowledge God when we see the vegetation and its benefit for sustaining our lives. Because God gave the seeds and the plants and the fruit to sustain the, uh, the animals and us on the earth in that context. And so it's an important thing. This interesting globe out in the middle of space that is blue because of the seas when it's looked at and green on the earth when you look at it because of the vegetation is unlike any other place. I mean, they keep looking for another one. But it's a unique thing, a creation of our God that we need to acknowledge and we need our children to acknowledge that as well. So, uh, take the kids to farms. Take them out to look at the trees to see them bloom. Take them to see the vegetation. They need to see it not just in the stores, but where the plants are. To see that God is providing and producing. These things are producing at the commandment of God for our benefit. And we ought to be grateful for that. Right? That's both a blessing and a thanksgiving uh, in that context. So, related to that, we're going to sing him. So, the separation of the sea and the land and the vegetation is again something we can practice the presence of God in and to rejoice and be thankful for. Day four, we find the sun, moon, and the stars, and we pick that up at verse 14 through 19. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And he placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Notice the connection back to the earlier uh, statements of day and night and being separated. Then there was evening, and then there was morning, a fourth day. 
The Bible says about the stars and the moon and the sun, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Time and the future are creations of God. So we should spend some time looking at the handiwork of God in the sun, the moon, and the stars. We watched the uh, Shabbat end last night. And the Lord's Day begin, I placed a picture of that uh, from our backyard that was just incredible uh, on, on Facebook and acknowledge that, okay? Uh, it's, it's too beautiful not to acknowledge. Um, and I looked over later and saw the moon rising, not as bright as it will be tonight. Tonight's a full moon and a uh, close moon, so tonight's one to get the kids out to see that. Uh, I came out, uh, my father-in-law uh, Friday night had asked me, you know, where a certain star was, and at that time we couldn't see it, so I was trying to see if that star was out last night, I'm looking at the stars and seeing that. There is a need to get out of the house and look at those things. Now, I, I appreciate them more uh, from where we are now, because when we lived here in Orange County, sometimes the marine layer... Uh, you, you look up and behold the fog, right? <laughs> uh, but, but there are still times when there, there's just incredible uh, experiences. So we should spend time looking at the handiwork of God in the sun, the moon, and the stars. They are connected to our celebration of holy days. They are connected to the times and seasons of our life. And they need to be something other than the watch and the calendar and the cell phone to tell us what time it is. We need to see that because in the summer, the days are long, not because of time change, which is a fraud. It's because the sun, we have the, the angle of the sun, we have a, a longer day. And in the winter, as we're coming now, it's going to be shorter and shorter. And it's important for kids to experience that. All their days of their life will not be the same. You're going to have some days of light and goodness, and you're going to have some dark days. And that experience is a reminder of biblical truths that we can practice and we can acknowledge for God. So, watch the sunset on Shabbat. View the, the new and the full moons. We're going to add those into the, the, uh, uh, the calendar. Consider the stars that the scripture says. He knows them by name. I wonder what that one's name is, right? We, we give them names and numbers. God, God knows not one is missing. He knows where they all are. He, he's got that all down. Because he's involved in this. It's not a secular mech, mechanistic system that he wound up and went on vacation. He not only created it, he sustains it. All right. Day five, God is going to create the fish and the birds. Uh, we pick it up at verse 20. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And he created great sea monsters and every living creature that moves and with, with which the water swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, 
and there was morning a fifth day. Now this one's probably the best one for us to practice. Because God fills the waters with creatures. He fills the skies with creatures. The variety of fish and sea creatures is still unknown to modern man. You need to spend some time at an aquarium with your kids. They need to see the handiwork of God in all these fish and in all these creatures and in all stuff that's not seen by anybody, but God is sustaining it. His handiwork, His variability, His beauty, His incredible understanding of, of ecosystems and that is just phenomenal. And it's something that kids need to see. But they need to know that the aquarium is just a sample of what's out there in those oceans. I will never forget the day. I was first struggling with the whole idea of Sabbath. Do we observe it? Will I be a legalist? All that kind of nonsense. And I was on the back of a cruise ship. Linda was getting ready. We were getting ready to go to dinner. The sun was going down. It had become my custom to... uh, We still weren't observing Shabbat, but it was my custom to go out and watch the sunset on Friday night, acknowledge the Sabbath, and try to figure out where to go from there. And so I stepped out on uh, from our room and then went to the back of the ship and I was standing on the back of the ship looking at the sun going down. We were off the coast of California. So I'm looking out towards the west and I'm, I'm acknowledging that and just as the sun was setting, this whale pops up and then goes... You know, like that. And I thought, he made the sea monsters also, right? I mean, wow. The visual reality of the scriptures is right there in the creation. And it just was overwhelming to me. To this day, I can still see that. Uh, I'm sure I've enhanced it somewhat in my mind because you don't know how memories go. But that was an incredible uh, stopping of here is, this is my father's world, right? Let me never forget, right? So that, that's an important part of this. Uh, children need to be taken to aquariums, to aviaries. They need to be taken to places where they can see these creatures. Now, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble because our property has turned into a haven for crows. Uh, we probably have at times upward to 20 or 30 crows uh, on our fence and on our yard. Um, I'm not a fan of crows, uh, but uh, so we've cut off their water supply, even if I can't cut off their food supply, and I've tried to do some other things to remove it. But still, there is an acknowledging of, of that. Jesus talks about that. Consider the lily of the field. Consider the birds of the air, right? God takes care of them. And so I've told you my story before of being at McDonald's before a service, um, seeing these little birds eating from the ketchup and the french fries that had been dropped, and they were quite fat, these little birds. 
And so I came back and had the congregation sing, his eye is on the fat birds, and I know he watches me, right? But the reality is that, that God cares about a bird that falls from the sky, and he cares much more about us. Seeing his care for these creatures helps us understand his incredible love towards us. So we're going to sing the first and second verse of his eye is on you can't get George Beverly Shea out of your head uh, when you hear that song, you know. That's part of that thing. All right, the sixth day we find in verses 24 through 31. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth. Every tree that has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw that he had everything he had made. Behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, God creates the animals from the earth, wild and domestic, clean and unclean. And he made man in his image, both male and female, that would bring us to the point of marriage and procreation and all those things. The animals and the people were given the vegetation, the seeds and the fruit as food for man and the animals. But he gave us responsibility to take care of his creation. Not to just abuse it, but to take care of it and to watch over it on his behalf. That's a great responsibility. God expects us to care for his created beings. He cares for us not to be abusive or to tolerate abuse. Of, of those things. After all, even the animals are given a day of rest on the Sabbath. It's an amazing thing. And yet we bear his image. And therefore we are given the responsibility and the accountability before God. We're not to rule over it for our benefit. We're to rule over it as stewards of God. All that we have in this life, because we're created in his image... We are to be stewards. And as we engage in that stewardship, we ought to bless God and we ought to thank God in those contexts. So, God is the one who is worthy. He has created us for His pleasure and for all good things. And so, by faith we trust Him. By faith we walk in His ways because He is worthy. We're going to sing together. All right, so the last day is found in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And by the seventh day God completed his work which he had done. 
And he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. And he blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. When God finished his creation, he set a sign of his identity in place, the Sabbath. And he gave this to Israel as a sign between him and them. And that observance of the Shabbat is a practicing of the presence of God and of the eternal rest and the kingdom to come that God has uh, given. And so it's a great thing for us to acknowledge in our homes and in our lives as we uh, raise our children in the faith so that they acknowledge that it is the God of creation and the God of redemption that is identified in His Shabbat that we, that we worship. He is both holy and He is the giver of peace. And so we're going to uh, uh, sing Kadosh and Shabbat Shalom. But let me do the conclusion so I can stop this part and then we'll sing that. Um, you guys say these words commonly. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. This is the start of every blessing in Judaism. You also say, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, which is commonly spoken in the confessions, uh, the two most important confessions uh, and creeds of Christendom. By these words, Jews and Christians acknowledge God as creator, savior, and king. We claim him as our God and we commit to him as his people. That must be the experience of our children, not just the words which they have heard. So I'm going to urge you this liturgical year to find ways to bring the experience of God into all aspects of your life and all aspects of your children's life so that they won't even consider and we will forget the absurdity that there is a non-God zone in His creation. <laughs>